Knowing I Am. That's the title for the sermon series during Advent, beginning today and continuing through the first Sunday in January. Do you know who you are? Not possible unless you know I am. Join us as we learn who he is. Turn to uh, John chapter 10 with me this morning. If you're able to stand again to honor God in the reading of his word, we would ask you to do that. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, Jesus is speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, for they do not know the voice of strangers." This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the shepherds, or leaves the sheep, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord." I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. 
The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, there are today people here who need to enter the sheepfold. And there are here those today who are sheep that are fearful, wondering whether or not they really are sheep. And there are sheep here today who who know we're sheep. But we need to be encouraged. Uh, We need to receive from you through your word by way of your Holy Spirit what we need to focus our hearts and minds more fully and faithfully today on the shepherd and to follow him. So would you speak to our hearts today through your word and would you give us what we all need? Wherever we are, And whatever we're facing, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Our church family was privileged quite a few years ago to make two trips into North Africa. Some of you are sitting here today who were on one or both of those mission trips that we made into North Africa. When I think about where we went in North Africa now, I'm amazed at the goodness and grace and kindness of God. We went to a place in North Africa where today we could not go. The place to which we went in North Africa is considered today a closed country. They would not allow people like us to enter their country because they have become not predominantly Muslim, they have become entirely Muslim so that people like us would not be admitted into the country. I also think about what God has done in this country because we could not go there as missionaries. We went to meet a family of International Mission Board missionaries that were there, and they were not there as missionaries. They ran a tour company. That's the only way they could be in the country. So Under the auspices of their tour company, we went to join them on a tour of the entire country. And we went from north to south, from east to west, in this relatively small country. And everywhere we went, we prayed for people. We prayed that God would change the hearts and lives of people. We would drink lots and lots of tea, and as much as we could, we would talk with people, and we would look for opportunities to share the gospel. And I think today in that closed country, there are now believers and there are churches. And I would like to think that in some small way, God used our team and others like ours to plow the ground through the power of prayer to open the doors for people to become followers of Jesus. On one of those trips, we were traveling across the vast expanse of the desert 
I mean, it was desert. There was a lot of dirt and not much else. And we came across a place where shepherds would bring sheep during the day to water them. There were a series of watering troughs there, and we pulled up on the site, and we got out for what missionaries do, whether you're long-term or short-term. We wanted to take pictures, so it was a photo opportunity, and we got also to talk with some of the shepherds as much as we could, and it was a chaotic scene. I mean, there were sheep everywhere, and those sheep were fighting for water. They were fighting for their space. They were bang. They were hollering. They were making a lot of noise. And have you ever smelled a sheep? Uh, Put hundreds of them together in one place. And uh, so we enjoyed being there and watching what was going on in the midst of the chaos and the confusion of sheep trying to get to the watering trough. But right before we left, something happened that I'll never forget. In fact, I can close my eyes now and I can see this scene. Those shepherds went to different places away from the watering troughs. And one by one, they called their sheep. And when they would call their sheep, their sheep would go to their shepherd. Then shepherd number two would call his sheep and his sheep would go to him. Until all of this confusion and chaos ended in an orderly dismissal of sheep following their shepherd. The shepherd had the traditional shepherd's staff. And he had the rod attached to his robe. And he led the sheep out into the wilderness. We've come today to the third and fourth I am sayings in the gospel of John. I am, Jesus said, the door or the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I said last week that it seems, and we'll find this out as we move along, but it seems that Every one of the I am sayings comes at a major moment of crisis in the life and ministry of Jesus. And it's true here in John chapter 9, we have the account of Jesus healing a man who had been blind from birth. And the religious leaders were confused by this. They didn't know what to do with this and they were conflicted because of the healing of this man who had been born blind, and they are bringing, as they were wont to do, they were bringing opposition against Jesus. They were asking this blind man lots of questions, and one of the famous words of the Bible is found in this encounter when the blind man says, look, this is what I know. I was blind, but now I see. The blind man became a follower of Jesus while the religious leaders were out to condemn Jesus, and chapter 9 ends with these words, chapter 9, verse 38, he said, Lord, he said, Lord, I believe, the blind man, and he worshiped him, he worshiped Jesus as God. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Isn't that confusing? There are those who are so religious 
that we really think we see when in fact the truth is we're blind. And there are those who know they're blind, whose eyes are opened by the Lord Jesus Christ, and they see. And we in this room are in one of those two places, every one of us. Verse 40 says of chapter 9, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and they said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see your guilt remains deep inside, these Pharisees are beginning to recognize their blindness and their need for sight. One of the themes in the Gospel of John that I talked about very briefly last week is the theme of believing. Because in the Gospel of John, one of the things John does is he introduces us to lots and lots of people who say they believe, but they remain unbelievers. Now, for example, in John chapter 2, Let's go back there for a moment. At the end of John chapter 2, we we read these words. Beginning in verse 23 of John 2, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. We would say, Hallelujah, praise God, they believe. But then comes verse 24. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. They said they believed. Uh, They said they were people of faith, but Jesus knew that they were not. Go back to where we ended last week, John chapter 8. Verse 30 says, as... Jesus was saying these things. Many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. The word here means that they had believed in him. He's going to show them what it really is like when we truly believe. And he tells them, if you abide in my word, you've got to love my word. You've got to love scripture. You've got to long for scripture. If you do, you are truly my disciples. That means you are truly following me and it will lead you to the truth and the truth will set you free. And then in verse 33, those who had believed in him answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? They said they believed, but they were not believers. It's one of the major problems in the church in America, populated by people who say things like this. You've just got to believe. Have you ever heard that? you just got to have faith. In what? In whom? What does it mean to believe? It means that to shift the image, the image that's found in John 10, it means that we know who the shepherd is. And we know what it means to be his sheep. We know who the shepherd is. We know what it means to be the sheep. And we are dedicated to living in devotion to the shepherd. Listen to how this text begins. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. That's the first of three times that the words thief and robber are one or the others used in this passage. It's a very important word. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I want us to see three things in this passage this morning. The first is that Jesus is the true shepherd. Jesus is the true shepherd. Now what that implies is that there are many false shepherds. There are more false shepherds than there are true shepherds. That's why we must have discernment to know who the true shepherd is and how the true shepherd operates. The second thing I want you to see is that there's only one door for the sheep and Jesus is that door. And then the third thing is Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And those who are the sheep are the good shepherd who've entered through the door because they see and know the true shepherd. Those who are true sheep know their true sheep because they recognize only the voice of the shepherd. They hear him and they heed him. They follow him and are faithful to him. Verse 3, to him, that is this true shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Leads them out from the sheepfold into the world where as sheep they're looking for green pastures and still waters When he has brought out all his own, he goes before him and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Listen, our world right now, particularly in our culture, is filled with all kinds of strange, strange shepherd voices from false shepherds. People who twist and contort the gospel into a simple decision. And as long as the decision is made, we enter the sheepfold. Completely contradictory to everything Jesus teaches us here. So we need to hear what he's saying to us so we can be able to know and recognize the voice of the true Shepherd, a stranger they will not follow because they flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is using a figure of speech here. It's not a parable. He's using an image from their world to illustrate who he is in relationship to his sheep. How do you know who the true shepherd is? How do you know that you are really One of his sheep. Had a friend several years ago that I ran across, hadn't seen him in a while. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm working for the FBI. I said, what's your job? I was fascinated by that. He said, I work in the division that looks for counterfeit money. I said, well, how do you recognize counterfeit money? I just interested. 
He said, we spent, in my training, we spent hours and days and weeks looking at the real thing. Isn't that interesting? The only way to recognize counterfeit money or the best way to recognize it, we have learned and I have learned, is to know every detail of a real bill. So we could spend our whole time today looking at the counterfeit. But let's do what the text teaches us to do. Let's look at the real thing. The true shepherd, the true shepherd loves his sheep. He leads them where they need to go. The true shepherd loves his sheep, and he leads them where they need to go. He's out in front of us. He's leading us. This is what Jesus teaches us here. The sheep follow the shepherd and are faithful to him. The true shepherd loves his sheep and leads them where they need to go. The sheep follow the shepherd and are faithful to him. He is he is the door of the sheep. Jesus said to them, verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. I am the gate. Jesus is the only way to God. There's no other way of entry into a relationship with God. He is the door and there is no other door and the entry way is very narrow. Now get the picture here. In the world in which Jesus lived, there were many, many, many shepherds. And the shepherds would take their sheep out by day and graze their shepherds. As they were grazing their shepherds, they were looking for places where they could water them, which was few and far between. As late afternoon turned toward evening, the shepherds would move toward an area. If they were out in the wilderness, they knew where these areas were, where there was a hill or a mountain that formed a backdrop and there was an outcropping of rocks that made a circle and at the entrance there was a very, very narrow opening, just big enough for a sheep to get through. And they would take their sheep into the sheepfold. Not just one flock of sheep, but multiple flocks of sheep would go into that sheepfold. Now, near every town, village, or city in that world, there were sheep pens. People made money off these sheep pens. So the shepherds would come in at night. They'd been in the field for a long, long time. They would come into the town or village to get a little break, and they would hire a gatekeeper because every city had this sheep pen, and they had gatekeepers who made their money by watching over the sheep. So either one of the shepherds or a gatekeeper would spend the night fully awake laying at the opening so that they could keep, they could keep the wolves at bay and they could keep thieves and robbers at bay. Jesus stands in the midst of that kind of picture and says to us, I am the door. There are not multiple gatekeepers. There are not multiple doors. There's only one 
narrow way of entry into the sheepfold. And I am that way. Do you know that one simple, straightforward teaching of the Bible is under more question right now in the United States of America than any other question? Secular people don't care that we believe that. Do you believe it? Because religious people want to have multiple ways for a person to have a relationship with God. Do you ever hear things like, I've known that man all my life and he is a really good man. No evidence that he ever gave his life to Jesus. No evidence that he lived in connection with other believers in the church. What we've just done is created an alternative door. I've known that woman all my life, and she's always loved people and cared for people. Whenever there was a death in the community, she was the first one on the scene. But no evidence in her life that she had followed and been faithful to Jesus. We've just carved out another door. I've known this person all my life, and they're one of the most morally impeccable people I've ever met. Far more moral than some preachers I know. Surely they're in heaven. We've just carved out another door. Can you and I agree this morning there's only one door? There are not multiple ways to enter into a relationship with God. And God could have kept that from us and he could have kept us guessing. But he says to us, I am the door and I'm going to show you what that means. I am the only way of entry. There are thieves and there are robbers that come. And the thieves come, listen to what he says, only to steal and kill and destroy. I told Brian Stevens this week, it is a horrible thing to study the Word of God because the Word of God calls me to repentance all the time. You know what I've said for years? The, it's a great line. I love the line. The thief comes to steal your joy, to kill your life, and to destroy you completely. I can't say that anymore because I studied the text. If a thief goes into a sheepfold to steal, what's he stealing? He's stealing sheep. He sees that plump sheep that will earn him more money in the market. He wants that sheep. You and I need to recognize, and I hope we do recognize, that when a person gives his or her life to Jesus, they have simply taken the first step in following Jesus. Satan doesn't care about that person until that person takes the first step. And when that person takes that first step, Satan comes after that person with a vengeance. He will not let you go without a fight. Most of us in this room know that we didn't know who Satan was or what spiritual warfare was until we got serious about following Jesus. And then he came after us because he wants us. He wants to steal you. 
He wants to offer you a way of life that comes from the world where you sacrifice your commitment to Jesus to pursue with a passion and with an energy those things that the world says you ought to be pursuing. And the end result of that is that Satan will destroy you because you'll live your whole life thinking, I know the shepherd and you don't know the shepherd and you're not a sheep because Satan has stolen you And you have sacrificed your life for your fleshly desires and the things of this world and you will stand before God in judgment one day and you will say, Lord, Lord, and he will say, I never knew you. Jesus has come to give us life. The only life there is, the life of the Holy Spirit surging in our soul, bringing us peace and joy and love and hope and purpose and passion. And he brings it to us abundantly, which has nothing to do with the prosperity that we experience in material things and everything to do with Jesus growing in us more and more abundantly so that we love him more and serve him more and honor him more and seek him more, the abundant life that he has for us. Jesus is the only way. He's the true shepherd. He's the only door for the sheep because he's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Do you know that when Satan is after you, some of you know this, I know this, when Satan is after you and he wants you, you've given your life to Jesus and you give yourself to following Jesus and Satan comes after you, this is what he does. This is not just children and young people, this is adult too. People, Satan will put people in your life who will become your friends. But they're living in ways that are not pleasing to God, and you know it. But you enjoy their friendship so much that you will follow where they lead you in order to receive their acknowledgement in your life. You know what happens when in the midst of doing that in your life, you get really serious about following Jesus? You know what those friends do? Some of you know the answer to this. What do they do? They leave you. They run because they don't want to be around anybody who is exuding in their hearts and lives the presence and power of God. Jesus is the good shepherd. In the Greek language, there are two words for good. One is, means morally good, blameless. This one is not used. That word is not used here. The word that's used here is rare. I am the good shepherd. It actually means beautiful. I'm the beautiful shepherd. It means nobility. It means excellence. It means impeccable integrity. It means consistency. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? Look at this very quickly. Number one, he owns the sheep. He owns the sheep. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. The good shepherd owns the sheep. Secondly, he knows his sheep. 
I love this. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But not only does Jesus lay down his life, he says here later, he takes it up again. He dies for his sheep and he's raised up to give his sheep eternal victory over sin and over death. And he gathers his sheep. Verse 16, I have other sheep, which probably refers to Gentiles, us, us. I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He owns his sheep. He knows his sheep. He gathers his sheep. And that gathering of his sheep begins in that moment. If you're a believer, you know that what I'm about to say is true in your life. It begins in that moment when God spoke to your heart about your being separated from him and sinful. And you heard his voice. You heard his voice. He was calling you to come to him and to give your life to Jesus. If that's never happened to you, it could happen today because God is speaking to your heart. It's calling you to himself. Once you give your life to Jesus, you begin reading the Bible. Believer, do you have this experience? Maybe not every day, but often you're reading the Bible and something in the Bible speaks to you. That's not something. That's someone. That's Jesus speaking his word to you. It's, it's, it's him, the good shepherd, saying, you're my sheep. I want you to see this. Because you need to see this and know this as you follow me. Jesus, Jesus is the true shepherd. He is the only way into the sheepfold. He's the good shepherd. But then he ends this passage. He ends this passage by giving assurance to his sheep. It was at the feast of dedication, verse 22 at the time. At that time, the feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, look, I've spoken that I am the Messiah, and I've done works that prove it, but you do not believe, not because you've not heard the word or seen the works. You do not believe because your eyes are blinded by Satan. You're not of the sheep. The Feast of Dedication, by the way, was Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the Jewish equivalent of our Christmas. Hanukkah celebrates that time when during the 200s, the light of the Jewish faith was almost extinguished. The Syrians had come into Jerusalem and they were destroying everything Jewish. Their goal was to put out the light. So there was no more faith. Up in the mountains in the little city of Modin, there was a family called the Maccabees. 
Uh, they were just farmers, ordinary people, but they were irritated by what the Syrians were doing, and they organized a force to come against the Syrians. It was absolutely crazy, but they fought a guerrilla warfare against the Syrians, and they won, and God delivered Jerusalem from the hand of the Syrian forces, and the light was still shining. And every year during the winter, usually around December the 25th, the Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah. Do you know how they celebrate it? They put candelabra in their window, and they illumine eight candles for the eight days of Hanukkah, to remember that God knows his people and God protects his people and God sustains his people. Back when I was a child, I would ride through my, I wouldn't ride through, I would go through my hometown with my parents. And it used to be the tradition in, in our hometown that every family had candles in the window at Christmas. They may have done that here in Waynesboro. That's kind of ceased. It's not a Christian tradition, it's a Jewish tradition. So if you've got candles and you went at home, <laughs> you are celebrating Christmas and Hanukkah. That's a wonderful thing. In the midst of Hanukkah, when the Jewish people were celebrating God's provision and protection, Jesus speaks these words of assurance. If you want to know if you are a sheep, here is how you can know. It's real simple. Look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you're a sheep, nothing means more to you than hearing the voice of the shepherd. You long to hear his voice. You long for him to speak into your heart. Secondly, we know that God has given us life through Jesus. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. If you're a sheep, you long to hear the Savior's voice, the shepherd's voice. And that longing in you that you cannot put out and you didn't put there is evidence that God has you in His hands. He's given you life. And the God who's given you life in Jesus will keep you. He will keep you forever. Verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Oh, you may be living in fear today. You may have lived this week or last week or the last few weeks in ways that you wonder if you're a sheep. You wavered. You wandered away. Oh, my friend, your assurance is not in that. Your assurance is the shepherd has saved you, drawn you into the sheepfold, and nothing matters more to you than hearing his voice. And walking in his way. Because. Psalm 23. Let's say it together. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. O shepherd of your people, we thank you that you speak to us and we hear your voice. And we thank you that even this day, you are calling people, even now, to come into the sheepfold and become a part of that eternal flock of sheep that you have purchased through the shedding of the blood of your dear Son, who is the true shepherd, who is the only way of entry in relation into relationship with you, and who is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And now, God, help us to go tell it on the mountain, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.